Have you ever been in a toxic relationship? Have you ever been the toxic one? Sometimes we go through life not realizing why certain relationships never pan out or why we end up with the same situation through different people. I got a chance to talk to Anika, a toxic relationship expert coach. We talked about recognizing toxic patterns in others, even recognizing toxic patterns within ourselves. Man, she shared valuable insight how to break free from toxic relationships and how to cultivate healthier ones. My name is Corey Cash, and this is the Black is the New Rich podcast. Enjoy the episode, and don't forget to subscribe. So my name is Anika Castaneda, and I am a toxic relationship expert and women's coach. So I work only with women um, and I help them break uh, toxic patterns in relationships so they can experience healthy and safe and secure love. Because it's definitely not something, at least for me, that I grew up learning or had a lot of examples of. And I would like to change that narrative. So that's kind of how I got into this. Okay, dope. Mm -hmm. So that's what you do right now. So mm-hmm. I want to get into the backstory okay. of how you even got to a toxic yeah. relationship expert coach for women. Like, what's yeah. the backstory? So the backstory is my own story. So I found myself in my first toxic. I'm not even. I don't want to say toxic because I think we need to clarify the difference between a toxic relationship and a flat out abusive relationship, right? Yeah. Like toxic could be like, you know, their conflict is not the best or the like we're not seeing eye to eye on certain things. We're not really sure on how to communicate. I think those things are toxic. Yeah. Abusive is definitely, you know, where you have your physical, emotional, sexual, narcissistic, so many forms of abusive relationships. Yeah. And I found myself in my first abusive relationship at the age of 13. Wow. Like uh, 13 years was old. Was it like, sorry, it was it. Um, like a family member or was it actually like a boyfriend? No, it was a boyfriend. Okay, wow. So I... At 13. At 13. And today at 31, when I say that out loud, I am shocked that yeah. like I was 13, I was a child. And um, yeah, I just, I think like we moved, we had just moved here from Dubai. My mom was still living in Dubai. I'm the eldest of three siblings. And being a Indian girl, it was very expected of me to just help raise my siblings okay and so i think i was really just trying to fill a void and i was pretty much empty at that point i had no sense of self no identity no confidence i was adjusting to like life in in canada i got bullied a little bit um and so this guy gave me attention i was like great this looks this looks like fun this (laughs) looks like a good idea well turned out it wasn't a good idea and it was like eight months of um bruises and black eyes 13 years old old. yeah in elementary school grade seven and he was in grade eight he wasn't much older um and it's actually how i um found myself i'm a certified makeup artist so i at 13 really used makeup as a tool to cover up bruises so my parents didn't notice or my friends didn't notice and there was only one girl on the bus who knew that i was in an abusive relationship because i think i had a hard time saying it out loud and accepting it Mm -hmm. And um, so I I really used that as like my creative outlet. I, you know, spent all the time in front of the mirror trying to hide all these bruises and stuff. And that kind of set the foundation because it was my first relationship for what every relationship moving forward was going to look like. If they weren't physically beating on me, well, then they weren't as bad. That was my gauge, right? Like that was my meter. Okay, well, I don't have bruises this time. Exactly. Mm. And it set the tone for the next 10 years. I was in one unhealthy relationship to the next. Um, And then COVID started and I was really struggling. I think it like forced me to deal with a lot of things that I had put under, like on the back burner. 
I was already married at the time, or I am still married, but I was already married at the beginning of COVID. And it just like really highlighted like where I'm at today. And I was thankful for my healthy, but it also needed me to like really deal with the unhealthy that was like bottled up inside. Um, and so I started sharing on social media just as a way to heal my own, my own story, my own um, confidence, like heal all the parts of me that I felt were needed the healing. I don't like to say that they were broken because I think they were also beautiful. Like they, they, all those cracks laid foundations for me to like, you know, plant some seeds and have them grow. And that's where I'm at today because people started reaching out and saying like, this was my story. This is me. Like, I can't believe this was you at so, such a young age. And it really connected me with these women that were, was the most powerful thing. And I knew that I wasn't the only one, which then allowed me to create space for these women to start healing because it took me a long time and I don't want you to suffer. I just want you to like get to the point where you can accept healthy because for me, that was not the case for a long time. For me, it was just, I didn't even know I was going to get married. I sabotaged that relationship when I first started dating him. Right. Mm -hmm. So the marriage, the current marriage, my current marriage. Yeah. So I, we've been together now almost a decade and two, three years into the relationship, I was like, this is too good. Let's just crap all over it. Let's sabotage it. Let's just burn it to the ground. And he was like, what are you doing? But we like, I needed to do that. Right. And even that I, I like started the process of healing at that point and then COVID happened and I wanted to do the same for someone else. So okay, yeah. amazing. So what was the break absolute breaking point where you're like, you know what, Anika, there's something going yeah. on inside. Yeah. Like what was that breaking point? Um, that's such a good question because I think a lot of times when you've experienced some sort of traumatic, some anything traumatic, you tend to blame the other person, which yes, there are things that the other person has done, but there are also things that you have done. How can you take accountability? Mm -hmm. And I spent so long instead of, for one minute looking in the mirror and saying like, how did I contribute to that downfall of that relationship? Maybe I wasn't as toxic or as abusive, but like I had my own part in that, right? Like yeah. my own beliefs that led me to accept this behavior from the other person. And so when my husband and I, when we were in our dating phase, when we had broken up for about two months, it really just highlighted like, okay, this guy is healthy, fairly secure really good at communicating. There's no abuse. I'm not feeling torn. I'm not conflicted with whether we're having a good day or a bad day. So the only thing that has not changed is me. What can I do to change? Because I need to change the narrative. If it's not going to be him tomorrow, if I meet someone else, I need to be ready for that relationship. And that moment in time, that was in 2017, that highlighted to me that like I needed to take a minute and I needed to look in the mirror. I needed to change some things because it was going to be the foundation of I'm going to be this way. I'm going to treat myself this way. And I expect you to mirror that behavior mm -hmm. because my belief about myself was so, you know, misconstructed. It was just very skewed yeah. that um, I had to take control back. And that mm -hmm. was like my moment of that was my aha moment for sure. So for the people that may not know mm -hmm. that they're self-sabotaging mm -hmm. or being toxic. Yeah. What are some self-sabotaging things that people can recognize if you were to say them right now? So it really also depends on like your attachment style. I was a very anxious attached oh, that's person. That's when you want to get close. Exactly. And like you want to control everything because you're so fearful of everything, right? And so for me, uh, my husband works in telecom. He is if he's in busy season, it's like, you're really not going to hear from that kid because he's just super busy at work. And you're taking it personal. Maybe? I was always like, yeah. why are you not texting me back? What are you doing? And instead of just looking at a fact and looking at it like, okay, I've sent a message. It has delivered. 
you have not responded and ending it at that, I created a whole narrative. And then that narrative became my instruction of for how to act. Whereas your feeling is not actually an instruction to act out. It's just to sit with it and to understand what is going on, right? So I did things like, well, you're not texting me back, so you must be doing something sketchy. You must be out there doing, so, you know, because I was triggered by all of these moments in the past relationships yeah. where that was actually my reality. Yeah. Even though this wasn't my reality, it was like, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. Or I would blow up his phone and like, nobody wants you to be blowing up their phone when they're swamped at work and you're calling them 10 times for nothing just to make sure that they're answering. It's a little overwhelming for the other person. Sure. So I would do things like that. Or like if we had a really good day and I wasn't, a, I wasn't used to good days, I wasn't used to like non-conflict for more than a week, I would just pick a fight. I would just yell and scream about so things. So normal to you. Absolutely. Uh, to the point where like I was smashing laptops, like I would throw them on the ground. My my laptop like shattered to bits, like the keys went flying. Yeah. And I took it to Apple and they're like, no. Yeah, wow. No girl, like this, this is not gonna, this is nothing. Like yeah. we're, you can't do anything about it, right? So it was things like that where if there wasn't chaos, I would make chaos because mm -hmm. I only knew how to function in chaos. Chaos gave me security because I knew what to do next. Peace gave me no security because it was so new to me. Mm -hmm. You so, could exist in chaos. Yeah, that was the only way I knew how. Mm -hmm. Because I was always high functioning, right? Like everything everything that was calm and peace, I didn't understand it because I wasn't used to that. And it wasn't like I was in one abusive relationship and I had time. I, I jumped from one to the next to the next for a decade, wow. right? So for 10 That's years, I was doing that. And I had no time to reflect, no time to like pause and look at that relationship of like, what have you, what have I done? What can I change? What do I want? I didn't know any of that stuff. Mm. So when I entered into this relationship, I just looked at it like, oh, I was just having a bad day. And I used a lot of times um, my anxiety because I have diagnosed anxiety and depression and PTSD. I use that as an excuse rather than like, okay, and you go like, maybe we got to change something. Maybe we got to take some power and control back. Maybe we need to not be told that like anxiety, depression, PTSD was going to control everything moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Wow. Just, so I have, you said something interesting that okay. you were uh, being, uh, your serial dating within the 10 years. Yeah. Right? And something I've observed in my own personal yeah. life with different women, I, I feel like sometimes it's hard for women that I've seen to sit down and be like, you know what, I want to change something yeah. because they may be attractive female and with an attractive female, it's probably easier to get men. Yeah. Right? So they'll just say, okay, they'll end their relationship, not really taking a look in the mirror Absolutely. and just going on to the next Absolutely. one because it's so easy. And some, another guy before they understand their bullshit, We'll just take them on. Totally. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> See, that was my thing is like, it was easy for me to jump into the next relationship and it just, it's such a distraction. You don't have to deal with anything and looking in the mirror and accepting your own flaws is one of the hardest things to do, right? Like you wake up in the morning, nobody wants to go in to be like, oh, I'm, I was the reason for that fight or I was the, you know, nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Even to this day, people don't want to do that. And we also live in like an Amazon delivery world where like everything is quick. So if it doesn't satisfy you in here, you can go get that satisfaction somewhere else. Right. And we live in this. Everything needs to be always satisfying us at all times. But that is also That's not life. life. Yeah. Exactly. And it's also not relationships. And because we have, you know, the Tinders and online dating has. It feels like you have so much more to choose from. But like, what are you choosing? True. Right. And so. The serial dating world, for me, from, from my experience, it helped me avoid dealing with my own ish. Yeah. It helped me 
blame the world and then justify my anger towards the world because I was an angry girl. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, I didn't take the time to, okay, I'm angry, but now I have to like work through the anger and deal with it and heal from it and learn from it and take those experiences and then change the next one. I didn't do that. And so I was a hurt person causing more hurt, taking on more hurt because my belief about myself was like, all you're going to get are unhealthy, broken relationships Mm -hmm. because you don't deserve anything else. And that was my foundation from for all the relationships moving forward, right? And I think women, um, if you're a beautiful woman or a beautiful guy, or even even if, I mean, I think everyone is beautiful. But at the end of the day, like if you're Some looking for exactly, yeah. and if you're looking for like surface level attraction, exactly. if you walk by down the street and someone thinks you're stunning well they're only looking at you for that they're not really willing to go past that and going past that and getting deeper is where all of the stuff comes up Mm -hmm. and all of the real life you know you need patience you need tolerance you need compromise you need those things in a healthy relationship but when you're looking at just the physical you're like if i don't get what i'm looking at here and if this doesn't match what i expect now because you're this beautiful person i expect you to have no baggage then you're going to walk away feeling really disappointed. Really? Okay, cool. So what's the difference between, let's say, genuine tough love, okay. I would say, and toxic, toxicity? Um, so t- 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 <laughs> I feel like tough love is such a, like, parent okay. term, right? Okay. Like, parents, they give you tough love because yeah. they want to, like, they want to have you soldier through life. Yeah. And they do that now tough love i think is when you're doing something through kindness with the best intention for the other person right mm-hmm. so if for example if i see you corey and you're sabotaging your relationship so you're in a relationship you're sabotaging you're kind of just like things are getting really real for you and you're afraid of it and so you're just kind of avoiding mm-hmm. right you're kind of ghosting this person i can say to you look look in the mirror what are you doing here and i can approach that with kindness mm-hmm. but i want it because i want that be- what's best for you But if I'm going in there and I'm shaming you and blaming you for your behaviors, now that's toxic, right? It's unnecessary for me to shame you. Yeah, right? With no compassion for why this person is showing up this way. We're looking at everybody and and thinking, oh, you're just a really shitty human being. You're not a shitty human being. You just have some stuff that you have not dealt with. Everyone deserves that opportunity, right? Like we're all sinners. We're all broken. We all have our parts. So when you do it with kindness, with love, and you wanting the better for the other person, I believe that's tough love. I think it can get a little bit messy when you use it. Cause I, I hate that term because I've had boyfriends who've like, whoa, like it's just tough love. So I'm treating you this way because it's tough love and you yeah. need to like find obedience. It's like, mm, no, I need therapy. Uh-huh. I need healing. I need to work through my suicide attempt, right? Like those sorts of things. And it was really hard to deal with that shame because then you, walk into life with that same shame true you know one thing that i'm realizing as i get older is i'm learning and it and uh, first i want to say that toxic relationships can be many different so many things yeah yeah it could be friends friends family family. parents totally intimate partner so i just wanted to say that that's true yeah yeah absolutely true so back to the um the tough love part when i'm realizing as i get older and i play a lot of uh, a leadership role in a lot of different parts of my life right and i'm starting to realize now that 
you know, I'm a person that can take tough love okay. only because of my competitive nature and my sports history that I had. Okay. So one of my coaches were used to rip me a new one every yeah, day. So true. I'm used to that. I'm yeah. okay. So then I would say like in my 20s and early 30s, I thought that, you know what? Everyone can take it. If I could take yeah, that, no. everybody could take that. <laughs> and now I'm realizing to learn to... Um, learn how people accept different types of communication and love yeah and i am realizing that you know what not everybody can handle that tough love situation and everyone's love languages mm -hmm. that we all talk about yeah um is different and i have to communicate in how they understand exactly love. We have to say about that. and that's the thing right communication is not just like you said and i heard it's you said based on your own interpretation I received it, I had to dissect it based on my interpretation and then respond back and then how you, right? So there's so many pieces to communication, not just like he said, she said, and both of them heard it. There's so many aspects to that. And I think when you have received tough love growing up, I received tough love growing up, I hate tough love now, <laughs> but you function in I that, still, yeah, right? Still, and it's, like it's, it. it's, it's like that you're used to that. You mm -hmm. just like get to the point, what do I need to get done? Da, 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 just give it to me, black and white. Yeah. A lot of times, it becomes harder for someone when you, because my thing was, okay, well, I've received tough love. So I treated my siblings that way, for example, right? And now they're completely different from I am. They're very, they're very reserved, very, very quiet, very shut down. And when you give out tough love with, without understanding that this person, yeah, like it's hard to receive that. And especially if you're like, because your thing is just like, I want to, I just want to get it done. Yeah. I'm black and white. Like, let's get to this yeah. point. Let's get yeah. to the solution. <laughs> but I think the gray area is really beautiful. But do you ever find, I know that you're asking me questions, but do you ever find like, because you had tough love, you never had the opportunity or even now maybe struggle with like being vulnerable a little bit? Because I definitely struggle with being vulnerable. It was I threatening. Think, I think now I'm getting better with vulnerability. Yeah. Um, as my mom's over there, but she could tell you that I'm a very black and white person. person. Yeah. And you just said something very um, interesting. You're like, there's beauty in the gray area. And yeah. I'm trying to find that. Yeah. Because it's very hard for me to understand that. Like, there there doesn't always have to be one outcome or exactly. not, not everything has to connect in the yeah. way you want it to connect. Mm -hmm. So am I finding it hard? I, I'm finding it easier now, but over time, I've definitely found it very difficult yeah. because it's like someone even complains to me for too much. It's like, okay, it's too much. Complaining. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. You're either going to do this yeah. or I don't even want to hear about it. Anymore. Yeah. But I think men also function in a very like, um, yeah, like, you know, just give like even my husband and I, we've learned today to communicate in like, if I'm venting about something, he has learned to ask me, do you want me to listen or do you want me to offer a solution? Because men are very, That's a big one. That's men are very like, what is the problem? How do I fix it? Yeah, right. Yeah. They just want to be the hero of the day. They just want to <laughs> solve the problem. And I'm like, child, like, let me just tell you my day. Let me just vent it out. And then I'll feel great about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. you can do is listen to me and just like, oh, that really does suck. And that's it. But men just want to fix everything. I think also like biologically you've been created that way and yeah. conditioned that way. And also like if you're elite, if, you know, playing leadership roles in various um, facets of life, you feel like that's your only role. Mm -hmm. But sometimes your role is to just be a compassionate listener or like just a supporter and just ears, right? Like you don't have to always offer something. Mm -hmm. But we, and I know my brother used to do this, but like you find your identity in fixing. Yeah, I do. 
Yeah. I'm like that. <laughs> I'm like that. I'm definitely a fixer. Yeah. And I, do you know Mel Robbins? Yes, I love yeah, her. Me too. Yeah. I, just, uh, I put my mom on her the yeah. other day and I was wa- watching a podcast yesterday for the first time. Yeah. And she was like speaking to my soul. Yeah. It's about like, you know, letting people just be, be. who they are. Right. And uh, you said something interesting. Interesting is that one, ask if they want a solution. Totally. Right. Or they just want to vent. And if now they're venting too much and yeah. she gives people a six month kind of threshold to yeah. vent and not do anything about yeah. it. But she says like after six months, if they're just keep on venting and now by that time they don't want to look towards a solution, then you can set your own boundary and it, say, absolutely. listen, I've been hearing you vent for six months and now I'm ready to take, a, I'm ready for you to take a transformation stage. And if you're not ready for that yet, I cannot absolutely anymore yeah so what do you think about that i think that's so healthy to set that boundary right because we we want to be there for friends family partners whatever it may be but your capacity isn't allowing you to do that and you have to set that healthy boundary for yourself right and mel robinson says something about like victim mentality if you're sitting and festering for six months yeah (laughs) aren't you tired (laughs) like i'm tired of listening like you must be tired right and like that used to be me i used to sit and like woe is me, the world sucks, everything sucks, everyone has the problem, because I, again, didn't want to look in the mirror, didn't want to say like, these are my, this is what I can change, and I'm refusing to change that. This is how I can take accountability for the next relationship, and I'm I'm refusing at this point, mm-hmm. because now I'm making a choice to sit in my disappointment about whatever it is I'm disappointed about for six months, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can take that control back, and as someone who's listening, you can say like, I do not have the capacity to to be right to be the emotional sponge anymore yeah you don't want a solution that's fine but then you have to find one on your own and exactly. i think it's necessary because that's when also tough that's being a good friend absolutely like you don't want to be allowing the person to just go on and on and on about it and not changing anything about it because then why are you complaining like if you don't want to change anything about it then maybe we don't complain about yeah, it as exactly. much right like i know that sounds so mean to say and i know we're in a very like woke everyone has to be like so yeah. careful about what they say i agree that to the i agree to a certain extent but mm-hmm. i think at some point we have to just get real because nothing will change and we need to stop blaming everybody else and start taking accountability for our own actions and what like what that's going to look like moving forward and if the other person is not willing to do that it's on you then to set that healthy boundary for your own sanity Mm-hmm. And for also for the benefit of that relationship, whatever relationship it is, right? Yeah. Like even if it's a friendship. I hundred percent agree. Yeah. So these days we hear another buzzword like yeah. trauma bonding. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. First of all, what is trauma bonding? So trauma bonding is when you are in a dynamic where you're finding it very hard to get out of that dynamic, right? Like you are bonded. It's almost like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, you're bonded by that pain. You're bonded in this situation that you cannot get out of, even though you know it's not really good for you because you also don't know how to function outside of it. Mm -hmm. A lot of scientific therapeutic terms like trauma bonding, love bombing, gaslighting, toxic relationships, they've become like such a trend now. It's just about a hashtag. And I think that's what's created everyone to use that as a justification for their own BS, mm-hmm. right? And then not everyone just like blaming everybody else and not taking any responsibility. Yeah. So I don't like that certain those words are like a trending situation, but a trauma bond is really hard to, hard to get out of. I, all of my relationships, it took me a very, very long time to exit every single one of them, which is why when I was finally ready to move on to the next, I was so tired from 
trying to leave that I was just like, okay, let's just find someone else to make me feel better about the situation. Right. Like my first boyfriend at 13 years old, I didn't know. My parents didn't know. I didn't know how to share, how to change things. And while this man was a man, kid was (laughs) physically abusing me and doing all of these things, my like deal breaker was like, okay, now you've cheated on me. Now is the time, right? Mm. As opposed to like, it was more what other people thought of me that you cheated on me as opposed to, I have bruises from you all the time. For eight months, I've had bruises from you because I was so connected. Like he was my, we were, we had really good days and then really bad days. And so the really good days, I was like holding on to that, hoping that like what I was, what I had experienced wasn't, imaginary right like it's it was real it was painful um yeah it's it's hard to break out of those so what would you say the difference is between going through a tough moment and a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. and trauma bonding so a tough moment in a healthy relationship is when you walk away from that conflict yep with your dignity intact Mm mm-hmm your confidence and your self-esteem intact. You have walked away from conflict with either a solution to the problem or a time to set a solution to the problem. Trauma bonding is when you will just, you have no sense of identity and whatever it is you're getting from this person, whether it is a stonewall moment, right? Where they're Mm -hmm. just avoiding you, blocked you, deleted you, not talking to you, whatever drama they're creating. But you're just waiting for that to come back because it's like a drug. You're just waiting for your next fix. You're waiting for the person to tell, come back and say one good thing to you and that'll make everything good. And then you can go back to the chaos. But you've left your confidence. You've left your self-esteem. You've left your dignity all in the shed and mm-hmm. you've lost the key. Mm-hmm. That's your difference, right? Like a healthy relationship, conflict exists. People think conflict and healthy relationships do not exist. They absolutely exist and they should exist because now it gives you a problem to work together to solve. And it will show you what the other person's true colors are. Are they communicating with you, communicating to you with respect and kindness? Oh, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Are they calling you names in the book? Like, am I projecting? Projecting, right? Like, if I mean, my husband and I, we we have arguments. We can argue about something, but I'm not walking away feeling shamed, humiliated, yeah. abused, physically yeah. embarrassed, right? Like, I'm not. Do, we're not. We've had we've had some trouble. We're gonna fix the problem now, or if we don't have the energy to fix the problem now, we'll say like, maybe we can talk about this tomorrow morning and we'll mm-hmm. set a time. Mm-hmm. So not you're not walking away feeling confused and uncertain of when this problem may be solved. You have a plan in place, mm-hmm. whether now or later. Mm-hmm. Trauma bond is just, you're really not sure <laughs> what's gonna happen. Where this is going, yeah. geez. So for how does one identify themselves okay. as being toxic? Like what are like like let's say I was a toxic person in a, a relationship. Like, how, what are some indicators that I'm like, hmm, Corey is like kind of toxic. I feel like that's so hard to do. Yeah, your foundation of any relationship should be respect, honesty, right? Like the, you have to have we have to have a foundation. Yeah. What are we both looking for? What are our non-negotiables? And then we have to kind of keep going back and look at it. Like, am I treating this person with the respect that I said I would give them? Am I treating this person with the kindness and dignity that I said I would give them? Am I being kind? Like, am I doing those things, right? Like if I'm angry and I am 
blaming it on my anger about my work day and taking it out on my partner, maybe that's some room for improvement, sure, right? Sure. Because again, with toxic, the word toxic being so vast. Yeah, and so like trending, yeah. essentially, it's hard to specifically say that, but you can look in the mirror and say like, do I, does my partner feel safe and secure with me? Ooh, those are good questions. Do they feel respected by me? Mm -hmm. Do they feel, uh, do they feel comforted in heard. a time and heard and seen? Do they feel valued? Do they feel those things? If they feel those things consistently and all the time, okay, I'm not, I'm not toxic, but I've had a weak moment where I've said and done something that's maybe not my best, my best foot wasn't forward, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are moments. But if you're constantly breaking every vow and bond that set the foundation of that relationship to begin with, then yeah, maybe you're a little bit toxic. Maybe it's time to look in the mirror. Like for me, I entered this relationship with my with my husband. Things were great. And then two seconds later in an argument, I'm smashing the wall or smashing my laptop. <laughs> maybe I'm a little bit toxic. Yeah. Maybe all those toxic relationships have taught me to be this. Yeah. This is not who I am. This yeah. is not what I told him I was going to be. This is not what he deserves. He does. This is, he feels unsafe, yeah. right? Like, yes, he's a man, but I'm smashing a laptop. What if I would take that and hit him in, in the head? Yeah. Just because I'm a woman does not mean I can't be physically abusive. Yeah. Right. Fair. So, yeah. And it's hard to look at the mirror and be like, okay, I broke that yeah. laptop. <laughs> yeah. I kind of missed that laptop. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say like you're approaching yeah. a toxic situation. Yeah. What are some things that you can like maybe reverse the type of relationship before it gets there? How can you do that? Or can you do that? Or are you just saying, you know what? I see the red flags ahead. I'm just going to get out now. See, a, a lot of my clients, because me included and them have experienced some sort of toxic or abusive relationship. Yeah. It is really terrifying when you start to see even half a red flag. You're like, forget it. I don't want to deal. Right. But again, I was the girl who had experienced, but then was also projecting that same ab toxic abusive behaviors onto someone else. Sure. And it was really a blessing for my husband to be patient and kind and understanding. What he did was communicate, look, like this is really not who you are. I don't see this being how our relationship has gotten to this point, like of beauty for so long. Something is going on. You're obviously triggered by something, right? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes someone who's doing these things may not even realize they're doing that, mm -hmm. right? And you have to kind of give them the opportunity to change that because we all deserve second chances. Yeah, if you're fair. telling me, no matter, like to, to this day, if my abusive ex was in a healthy relationship, good for you. Like mm -hmm. finally you have learned, you just wasn't, you weren't my person, but like you have taken the accountability, you've changed your ways. Mm -hmm. Someone allowed you to do that. Mm -hmm. Be that someone to allow that person. You don't have to be a punching bag, but you can say, listen, these things, either you change them or but I will not be able to accept them. You can set that boundary and say like, this is not what I'm willing to accept, but I don't believe this is who you are at the core. Mm -hmm. And I think we can work together to change that. But you need to genuinely make that effort to change that. I need to see some changes in that. Mm -hmm. And if I don't see those changes, then maybe I need to decide moving forward what I would like to do for my own safety mm -hmm. and security. So a lot of people, well, I think this is kind of a general statement. They sometimes they want closure from the actual person they want that to has talk. done them wrong yeah no. that has done them wrong yeah so one i want to ask you a question maybe a little tricky question okay for maybe the person that has done the most to you mm -hmm. would you ever consider having a conversation about that time for what okay cool. right like and my why? thing is my thing is like for what like 
I don't need closure from you because closure, one, what, like, what am I looking for from this closure? Do I really need you to give me that closure? Because then again, I'm putting the power back in your hands. And right. I would like to not do that. I would like to take that power by myself. What am I looking for when I'm looking for closure? I'm looking for some peace. I'm looking for some forgiveness. I'm looking to be okay with the circumstances of that time. I don't need you for that. Mm. I need therapy. I need to pray about it. I need to work through those emotions on my own. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, sometimes we're... All we're looking for is for someone to say, I'm sorry. Well, the person has done you wrong is probably not going to say, I'm sorry, because it's really hard for them to. And you're kind of setting yourself up. Exactly. For disappointment. Exactly. And the person who's done you wrong will probably not say sorry because <coughs> it's hard for them to look in the mirror and accept that they've done that to you. Or maybe they're just don't care. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they believe that this kind of behavior is normalized or is normal to them because they have learned that in other relationships or parent dynamics. And again, you're you're just expecting them to give you something that is, you're never going to get from them. And then you set yourself up, like you said, for that disappointment and anger. And, and then you kind of start the cycle again because yeah. now you're angry at them again. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't give you that closure. Yeah. But all you need to do, you can forgive someone from a distance. It doesn't justify what they've done to you. It just says, I'm releasing what has happened between mm-hmm. us. I'm forgiving you for whatever it is you have done to me because of the time like through compassion, I'm forgiving you because of whatever. I'm forgiving you because you were going through some tough times. I'm forgiving you because you didn't learn healthy relationship skills, but I don't need to tell you I'm forgiving you. I can just say I'm forgiving you mm-hmm. and I can be at peace with that. And then go about your life. And go about your life, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't, they're not holding, someone who's done your wrong is not holding their breath waiting for you to call them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not looking to say, oh, I'm just waiting for that girl to call me to <laughs> yeah. ask me for forgiveness. Mm, <coughs> yeah. I'm, they're not waiting to say I'm sorry either. So why bother, mm. right? That was my big thing. It's like, that was a, a really hard thing for me to work through in therapy because I thought I had to reach out to them. And so I would reach out to them after we had broken up, trying to get say, a sorry. Hey, say sorry. Just, just <laughs> tell me that you're sorry and we could be fine. Yeah, yeah. No, it never happened. Yeah. And then I was more and more angry and then the world sucked even more because yeah. I was- just feeling low again. Yeah, because you're trying to go about it with like your- um kindness and the way that you know like i just want to be a good person and i want to do this and the lord says to forgive so how do i forgive Mm -hmm. i need you to be there to forgive no i don't really need you to be there i think with um forgiveness i've learned as i got older that it doesn't necessarily have to come from the person that either betrayed you did you wrong or Mm -hmm. something to you Mm -hmm. it doesn't it's i it's for as i understand it now it's just me forgiving the situation and the emotional attachment to that situation so i can move on i think before i was always uh, i would hold a grudge because i would expect that person to say uh, sorry or expect them to understand me and expect them to feel my pain but then after a while i'm the only one hurting yeah i'm the only pissed off exactly and that's Exactly. The expectation is what's letting you down. Not the person, not the circumstance. It's that expectation. And you didn't get what you expected. Whereas a forg- forgiveness is a solo act. Yes, right? exactly. It's 100% a solo act. And your standard is that I don't want to be burdened by this anger anymore. So I am releasing it and I forgive you. Yes. That's your standard. You deserve that. Absolutely. Your expectation is what's letting you down when you reach out and you're expecting an apology and you're not getting that apology. And then you're getting yourself riled up all over again because you you want to see the best in people and not everyone will is ready to show you that when you're ready to receive it. Exactly. And you have to be OK with that. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah. Um, one question from uh, I put out the story about like uh, that you were coming and yeah. someone actually a lot of these questions were from people asking certain questions. Yeah. But uh, this one particular person, he said, what we talk about love languages, mm -hmm. but we don't talk about the conflict languages. Mm -hmm. I remember, yeah. I, I, I remember <laughs> talking about that question. Yeah, so yeah. Do you, what do you even think about that type of question? Conflict language. What is a conflict language? So that's definitely, um, I mean, I've never heard the term outside of this question, so I will say that. True. But I think it's me a neither. beautiful question because, yeah, like how are we handling, handling conflict, right? Like for me growing up, I was raised in a household where physical discipline was normalized. So to me, conflict was, I need to be very silent and very quiet in order to avoid the physical that may come with it. Yeah. yeah. And so I entered life with just be silent, just be quiet, just be the people pleaser, just be the, just be the mouse in the conversation, right? Like that's how I entered it. So my partners were very loud, very aggressive, and I was quiet about it. But then it got to the point where I was tired of receiving all the BS. And so my responses were now elevated. Yeah. And the only way I ever felt seen at home is if I had a really big tantrum and I was crying and screaming at the top of my lungs. And so I entered relationships with that mentality, right? Like if I wasn't going to, if I had to be quiet, I wasn't going to get my way. And so now I need to be really, really loud. I need to be louder than them. And then we were just going head to head because now these people with their big egos had to prove that they were the man in the relationship. And so it, mm -hmm. it would come back at me, right? So conflict language is really like, how are we dealing with conflict? Are, is your language, is your tendency to immediately stonewall, shut me down, gaslight me, walk away, go missing for a week, and then finally call me and pretend like nothing happened? Or is your way to handle this this conflict to come to me sit down like two adults talk about what we're feeling and talk about how we got here and then figure out a solution to move forward mm -hmm. that is the conflict that i would like to be involved in because mm -hmm. now i'm going to have a solution from it because there's no avoiding conflict you're never going to run away from yeah, it exactly. it's going to happen mm -hmm. you just better be prepared to deal with it not by stonewalling and gaslighting and running away mm -hmm. that was me i would run true so, yeah. yeah. So help me on this situation. Okay. So we have one person that when conflict arises, they their their tendency is to shut down. Yeah. And maybe talk about it later. Okay. And then you have another person that wants to talk about it right now and get it done and move on. Yeah, move on. Yeah. How does those two type of people compromise? Because opposite. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, if we're not ready to talk about it now. Yeah. Um you can't also just like walk away from it with no timeline, right? Like sometimes yeah. people who are like, I'm not ready to talk about it. I'm not ready to talk about they it. They just push it till whenever. Till whenever. And then, and hope that like the other person will just Forgets. get forget about it. And then you just keep sweeping stuff under the rug and that rug will pile up. And at some point you that will trip. That is gonna happen. You will trip and y'all will face plant <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, like yeah. that will happen. Yeah. But if you set a time, it gives the person because the person who wants to control that conversation and wants to have this discussion right away is fearful that like you may not come to the time where you want to have that discussion. Yeah. And so they feel best and most secure when the problem has been dealt with now. Why do they want to deal with it now, right? Like I was that girl, I had to deal with the problem right now because I was afraid that if we didn't deal with now, you'll break up with me tomorrow, sure. you'll find another girl tomorrow, you'll cheat on me, you'll do this, you'll do that because I was anxious. Mm -hmm. 
So if I can explain why I would like this problem to be solved as soon as possible, it gives the other person a little bit more compassion. And when the other person says, I'm not ready to talk Mm -hmm. about it right now, but can we talk about it tomorrow morning? It gives me some time because they're interested in solving this problem. They're going to come back to me tomorrow morning and we are going to fix it. So now as an anxious attacher, I can use this time to just kind of process what it is I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Think about what I want to say, process the conflict and discuss it tomorrow with a clear head, because then again, respect and and honesty will be my foundation tomorrow. But if I'm, if you're not ready to talk about it and I'm like, Corey, we've got to talk about it right now. And you're not ready. Everything I'm saying is just falling on deaf ears. You're getting more irritated. You're getting more worked up. And now you're getting genuinely angry that you aren't going to respond with your surface emotion, which is irritation, Mm -hmm. irritability, and anger. Mm, You're not responding with like, I've processed, I've thought about it, and I'm feeling at peace and I'm feeling ready. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to be able to communicate and then find the baseline of like, not right now, but at this time. But you can't just say like later and then leave later like Mm open-ended. That's what's creating the anxiety. Fair. It's raising your voice ever necessary? I don't think so. Mm, Why? I don't, I was the girl that thought the louder I spoke, the more I was heard. (laughs) That's apparently very wrong because the louder I speak, the more you cannot hear me Mm -hmm. because now you're immediately going into defense. You're immediately thinking, why are you screaming at me? No one deserves to be spoken to this way. And as a child who's getting yelled at, for example, all the time, either you're going to shut down or you're going to match that energy. Mm -hmm. So if I'm screaming at you and yelling at you, you're either going to shut down, which is not what I want, or you're going to scream back at me, which is also not what I want. That just makes problems way worse. What is the point? Yeah. Okay. We can, and again, if respect and um, honesty is the, is the foundation, Foundation. you'll understand that like, I can have a respectful conversation with you. I can be annoyed and irritated with you, but I don't need to be yelling and screaming and cussing and calling you names. Fair. There's Fair. really, there's no point of that. Fair. There Fair. has no purpose in the conversation. It's not solving anything faster. It's not making you feel better. Actually, maybe making you feel better, but it's really not. <laughs> temporary. <laughs> temporary. Yeah. And then you feel guilty yeah, about exactly. it later. So what is the point? Yeah. You Fair. Know? Fair. So Anika, I've been watching your stories for a while now, oh. and I've realized that faith um, plays a big part in how you operate these days. Yeah. Um, were you always like that or did you find it through your healing journey? Definitely through my healing journey. So I was born and raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. I walked away from the Catholic church. Just, I think a lot of church hurt. And, but I never, like, I never once said like, oh, there's no God. It was never like an atheist. It was just like, I don't want to go to church. And I don't understand why I'm saying these prayers that like are verbatim. And I don't even know what they mean. Yeah, fair. And I'm sitting and I'm listening to this priest speaking to me. And what is the point, right? Yeah. Like that was me. So when I walked away, I just really spent zero time with the Lord. And then again, COVID hit and a big consistent way that the Lord has communicated with me through my life has always been through rainfall. I don't know why. Interesting. (laughs) And every time I pray a certain prayer or like I'm at a certain level of like, please stop forsaking me. It has poured down rain. Really? And it was like the beginning of the pandemic. I think it was like two weeks into lockdown. And I was like sitting in my room and I'd opened up a Bible, which like the Lord knows I had opened up a Bible and like how long prior to that. And I opened up this Bible. I opened up my Bible app and I was doing a um, like a Bible plan thing. And I got off 
and it wasn't supposed to rain that day and it was like thunder and lightning and rain wow. and i was like no like is that really you out there like what is going on <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that was like my moment of like being called back into it. So I was rebaptized and I am now saved. But it wasn't always like that. And I think now the way I deal with relationships before my anger dealt with them. So you did one thing wrong, like you had zero chances and I was just very angry. And now I have a little bit more compassion, a little bit more forgiveness in my heart, a little bit more peace because I realize that like, I am also not perfect. Mm -hmm. And I have so many things that I can work on to this day, like we all do. So I have no business here, you know, just kind of being like wishing the best on my exes that did me wrong, yeah. right? Like that was my big thing is, yeah, they, they did me wrong, but like, they probably also have their own stuff just like i have my own stuff and i did other people wrong i'm not perfect i've treated people badly i'm sure i'm sure there's people who are out there being like she's not a very nice person yeah. right like that was Get this girl off the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh my god can you imagine that was so sad um so i think when like that just changed my life because i just learned to be a little bit more humble and realized that Everyone has good in them and everyone has bad in exactly, them. Exactly. And it's just a choice of which one you want to put Show forth more. that day. Yeah. That day you have a choice. Every day you wake up, you have a choice to be a good person or a bad person. I have a choice. You have a choice mm -hmm. through the day to make that, yeah. to make a, a better choice. Yeah. So if it wasn't for my faith, I don't think I would have had that. And I don't think I would have had the immense healing and breakthroughs that I've had. And I definitely would not be coaching, period. Sure. Because... I think it was that moment of that first rainstorm at the beginning of the pandemic is when I heard very clearly the words coaching. And I was like, what is coaching? Like, what is like a soccer coach? Like, what are we doing here? And that changed my life. And it helped me like help these women. It brought me peace and joy from such a broken part of my life. And it wouldn't have been that had it not been Christian. Wow. Amazing. Because I ultimately think, um, uh, as you talked about before, the, the foundations of a relationship have to be, you know, respect, loyalty and stuff, stuff like that. But yeah. I, I personally think that whether it doesn't matter what faith you are, um, that faith has to be um, somewhat in the foundation of a relationship. Absolutely. too. Because I feel like without it, uh, it could lead to a lot of problems. Yeah. Right. Because someone has to like both people have to be held accountability to something yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Right. So. And like responsible for your own salvation and also like faith is the one thing that will keep you rooted and grounded in truth. True. Right. The word is the truth. So True. if that's going to keep you grounded, you need to have that. If you don't have that, what is keeping you grounded? That exact, That's right? exactly my point. What is keeping you grounded? Is it because your friends can only get you so far because again, they're human and mm -hmm. they're sinners just like we all are. So if my friends are keeping me grounded, well now I'm making my friends my idol. Or if drinking and smoking is keeping me grounded. Or celebrities. Well, or, some, <laughs> yeah. or celebrities. Yeah. We are in that phase right now. Yeah. <laughs> Something is keeping me grounded that becomes an idol on top of the one that died for us to say. Yeah. It's me that's gonna. The only way you're gonna find peace is through me. I mean, yeah. I've done I've done it all. I've been with the wild friends. I've done the partying. I've done the drinking. I've done I've done it all. Yeah. It clearly didn't work. <laughs> so like maybe we need a change. Yeah. And yeah, it, if, this has been the most peaceful. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, these next two questions I ask every guest on the show. Okay. And the first one is, okay. what's the best advice that you received, and what is the worst advice you received? You don't have to say any names. 
<laughs> okay, best advice I received is, um, okay, nothing in my relationship is going to change unless I change. That was the biggest one. And I, I got that, I received that through one of my Christians, Christian girlfriends who said that to me at a time when my my husband and I were broken up for two months. And it was the truth. It, it, it really was the moment of like, look in the mirror, what can you change? Because nothing is going to change. He can change all the things and do all, be all the things you want him to be. But if you're not ready to receive it or you're not ready to um, water that garden, it will burn wow. down. That's, that's a good one. Because you are responsible for your part, which yeah. is 50% of yeah. this relationship. Fair. Okay. Right? That was the best because <laughs> it was like the hardest thing to hear, yeah. to look in the mirror. The worst advice. Mm, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I try to little block those out of my mind, you know. <laughs> worst advice would probably you be. You didn't have to take it. One. yeah that's good yeah I, a, I think i just ignore it. i'm like okay mm -hmm. oh actually i did i a family friend of mine said this she's like you don't need to worry about mr right just worry about mr right now I what think. does that mean i think she was more just like be wild and crazy oh not uh, and i was and i remember and she said that to me like in front of the guy that i was dating at the oh, time geez. he was like oh he was not like that was my longest like on and off yeah very uh, very toxic relationship and she said that in front of me, in front of us, in fact. And I remember like we walked away from that conversation and he was like, what is that? Like, and obviously like I got in trouble for it because yeah. you know, that's, so that was well the dynamic. Managed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I, like, I, I remember being really irritated, but then I looked and I said like, but like, you're really not wanting to be giving me advice, mm -hmm. you know, like when- Sounds like projecting to me. Yeah. Honest. Oh, absolutely. Like I think she had just walked out of her divorce at that time. And so when she said that to me, it was definitely like her own experience talking, but it was the worst advice because I, I didn't take it, but I definitely, I think my relationships kind of, that kind of made sense a little, right? Like who's giving me attention right now? Mm -hmm. Who is making me feel good right now? Mm -hmm. It's good enough for now. So I'll just take it. So even though I didn't take that advice, I think- it still resonated it, with you in a yeah, little bit. In a, little in a way, it sounds yeah. like. Okay, yeah. dope. Jeez. <laughs> um, and the last question. Okay. Uh, on the show, we like to make predictions. Oh, gosh. So in five years, okay. I'm going to say, Anika, she did say she was going to do that. Where do you see yourself in five years? In five years, I'm hoping I'm going to be a mom. Okay, nice. Nice. Um, I'm hoping, no, I pray I'm going to be a mom. I pray my business will have impacted more women. And I pray to maybe just be living in the country just like my own farm farm <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally my own farm with a lot of dogs yeah um but i think my my biggest thing is i just want to impact the the most women that i can and whoever my flock is whoever my people are that they will find me and yeah. that god will lead my words to make the impact that they are because it's not about the money it's not about the fame it's not about all that stuff it's just about I just don't want my story to be what it was for so long and to prove back to not give back and also to like not prove all the guys that told me I was not, never going to amount to anything to prove them right. I just it's not even about proving them right. It's just about knowing that like if God is for me, no one can be against me. And I just want that like to that. be 
my life's motto. Okay, wow. Do you ever see yourself like public speaking? Absolutely. I I enjoy (laughs) public speaking quite a lot. So I'm actually doing the National Women's Show in November this year. Oh, wow. Nice. And I'm considering giving a keynote, but I'm not 100% sure just yet. But I love speaking. I think like I just enjoy like intimate settings Mm -hmm. and conversations. And I think because of what I talk about, it allows other people to also feel safe and comfortable because then they can share. And as because my goal is to make impact, if I can make an impact in one conversation, sitting mm-hmm. with you one by one, I'd rather do that than like hope to maybe kind of sort of impact a hundred people in front of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's another thing that I respect. And this is kind of a harsh opinion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you opened up this whole conversation that, you know, your target audience is women. Yeah. Right. And then some, there's some people and uh, there's no shade to it is that they take on the men and the women. Yeah. I just feel like with, this type of subject yeah. and let's say that you were to help men i i personally think it's best for men to help men absolutely just only because there's so much things that go on in our head in our daily lives that we can only understand with absolutely. each other so i do respect that, that you, you just like you just need someone like you're biologically created different than i am exactly. right? like a man is created to be a man we have our roles we were created in this way by the creator right yes. like you have your part i have my part it, it specifically talks about Christian marriages, talks about Christian households. It talks about that in the Bible for a reason. Exactly. Because you function differently than I do, right? Like you maybe function in your masculine energy more than you do in your feminine, whereas I may function my feminine more than my masculine. Mm-hmm. But it's needed. It's needed for that household, right? Like if, um, and I tell some of my clients who are moms, I tell them this, the husband has his own role to play in the family dynamic. Stop trying to get your husband to be your role, your role to be the wife. Mm-hmm. His role is to be the dad. So you may not like it. You may not like that. He's the fun one or this one or that one or the disciplinarian or whatever it may be. But that's his role. Yeah. Allow him to be his role. Yeah. Because then you'll also find a lot more peace in your marriage and your dynamic. And that's why I work specifically with women, because I want you to thrive in your feminine. I want you to thrive in your nurturing emotional side without looking at it like it's something that's weak Mm -hmm. or something that's to be ashamed of right like my mom found my mom finds it very hard to cry because she was never allowed to cry Mm -hmm. and so she bottles everything inside Mm -hmm. so i learned tears were a bad thing and so i didn't know how to do that but if i have someone who can tell me that it's okay to do these things Mm -hmm. then i will feel safe and i will really really learn how to function in a confident way in my feminine energy. And I think that's why it's important for men to have their own chapters and um, groups that they've and community that they can function in. I agree. I agree. Well, I want to say thank you for coming. I know it's been a little bit of back and forth to get this interview, but it finally <laughs> happened. And I'm, I'm glad it happened in this fashion because I think it was one, it was great. A lot of good information. And I want to say that you're welcome back anytime. I loved it. <laughs> Thank you. Such a good chat, even Thank though it took us definitely a minute to get here. I love the outside and like it's just been such a good vibe. Vibe. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely peaceful. And I like I like talking about these things and making less of the heavy things because not less of them, but like light of them. Yeah. Because there is hope and peace and beauty after like all that pain. A hundred percent. And we don't have to constantly sit in that. So I think like these conversations on spaces and places like your podcasts are just going to change and make that impact so thank you thank, thank you, you so much for having no me problem. oh and before we leave um yeah. let people know where they can contact you 
So right now you can contact me on Instagram at Anika.Casaneda. I say it in that way because there's no Enye in the, oh. in the, on Instagram. Um, so you can find me on Instagram right now and I will be at the National Women's Show in nice. Toronto in November. I think it's the 10th, 10th to the 12th. Of, it's a weekend. Friday Are men December. invited? I think it's an all women's show, <laughs> but I think some men will attend. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure, cool. but yeah, it's going to be like a 19,000 attendee. Oh, shoot. Come, so. And you're going to speak on stage? I'm considering it. Oh, let me know. If you're going to speak on stage, I'll, uh, stage, I will definitely come out. To, okay. To, to I'll let watch. you know. I will absolutely. Jeez, you know, they've, they've reached out to me and I, I've been praying about it and ponder. I try to not make these big decisions unless I've prayed about it and True. feel truly called Fair. because I don't want to just go up there and just hope that I'm just going to wing it or whatever. Like I want my words Your to come from my spirit. So. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, and that's what I'm here for. So that's a question mark right now. <laughs> that's okay. where you can find me, and you'll see me in November. At okay, dope. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for coming out. Thanks, guys, for watching. Black is in your rich. We're out. Till next time.